Cineboys to Cinemen, episode 39. 39. 39. Hope you're well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Yes. Uh, I imagine, for the sort of keen-eared cinephile out there, judging yep. by the noise you heard prior to this intro, <laughs> you will have a vague idea as to uh, what the topic of discussion is this week. Yes, yes, the Got eagle-eyed. The eagle-eyed, eagle-eared. The, the eagle-eared. Do eagles have good ears? I don't know. I mean, they're covered by feathers, which are mm. notoriously good. I mean, I assume they have ears. I mean, maybe more how how sophisticated is their hearing? It's another podcast. Another, for another podcast. Time. Yeah. yeah. Join us next week. Yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> Eagle uh, chat. Eagle chat. <laughs> um, Godzilla. Yes. Minus one. That's right. Yeah. Saw it yesterday. Mm. After a short hiatus. Yeah. And uh, yeah, can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, it's gonna be good. I think. You know, the vibe I've perhaps given from previous episodes is that I is that it's something I'm 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 very into. I love Godzilla. Yeah, I love monster movies, and I, yeah, an opportunity to really sort of flesh that discussion out. I think we touched on it for about ten, fifteen minutes or so in the um, Oppenheimer episode. Yeah, and I think we might have mentioned your uh, sort of coveted Blu-ray booklet thing. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That a few times maybe even in the physical media episode actually yeah yeah definitely yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm very jealous of and uh, I imagine you're very proud of <laughs> very much so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been very useful actually for this discussion to have oh yeah I bet yeah, yeah. so we're going to be talking about Godzilla Minus One we'll talk about some of the films in the franchise it's a long history 70 year anniversary this year yeah 37 uh, 37 or 38 films now wow, isn't it that's a lot Mental. of movies that's a lot of Godzilla yeah yeah and we talk about maybe more broadly about the monster film in general and sort of the themes and ideas that tend to permeate across them so yeah. yeah right up my alley and I hope it's up yours too oh not quite so much but I'm I'm kind of going to gear the discussion in that direction so you'll be speaking to me as more of a lay person uh, in terms of Godzilla okay uh, but it's not to say I don't really enjoy them and I've seen quite a few of them and I saw one of them in 2014 with you actually oh yeah the yeah, Gareth yeah, Edwards birthday. one so, yeah, 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 yeah yeah all right let's do it let's do it <laughs> One of the things I actually forgot to mention in the intro okay. was uh, how we're going to discuss the representations of Godzilla from a uh, Western and Eastern perspective. Yeah. So there's been a lot of Godzilla movies made in America, yeah. uh, and we sort of want to try and sort of discuss uh, the sort of thematic and historical differences that, uh, and cultural differences that underpin both films and why, largely speaking, the American films don't really work as mm. well as the Japanese counterparts. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. So, well, yeah, I just, you know, thought I'd say that just to get you nice and buttered up. Bust, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, nice and basted. Yeah, baste you up. <laughs> Before yeah. you roast me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in a nice way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, looking forward to it. Tenderly. Mm. I did a bit of research about that myself, like a little bit today, about the representation of Godzilla. And- yeah, I mean, I think it's something that's brought into sort of stark relief Upon watching Godzilla minus one. Oh, yeah, completely brings it back to the forefront. Yeah, um, because I think the the franchise, by and large, at least from a Western perspective, is almost turned into. I mean, it's very much a kind of marvelization, which is happening. Yeah, um, and they're in- introducing other characters from. And I know Toho did this first with like introducing King Kong and all that. So it's not something that 
is explicitly like a Western idea, but the way they're approaching it is very much a kind of studio spearheaded situation, which is interesting. Yes. You know, obviously, to say the word marvelization, I think that's, you know, very much the trajectory of, of, of the industry and has been for some time. Yeah. I think it's sort of waning slightly as, you know, studios have undoubtedly noticing Marvel having a bit of a wobbly moment in terms of um, commercial success. Yeah, completely, yeah. Um, But I think they definitely instilled this idea of a shared universe with a constantly moving story Mm. uh, and films that aren't self-contained in narrative. Yeah. Their narratives always sort of pull towards a grand event that's at some point going to occur five or six films later on down the line. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, the, the, the sort of monster movie... You know, the kaiju uh, film has definitely undergone that in the West, that treatment. Yeah, definitely. Um, Arguably starting with Del Toro, actually, which might be something I'd like to talk about a bit later on with Pacific Rim. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just how he, the way he treated that and, you know, his reverence for... I mean, it's just, probably the know. best Western example. Yeah, oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Um, I think, and I think that the way that it's developed since has sort of skewed I mean I don't there was really there really was no other direction for it to go but it is I do think it's interesting that he stopped after one and kind of severed his ties with that in inverted commas franchise he's like well I don't understand because if I remember correctly Pacific Rim has a fairly clear cut ending like it has a beginning a middle and end I don't even I don't remember it setting itself up for a sequel maybe I'm wrong it's been a while but I mean yeah as far as I can remember hmm I think, and you're also right to point out that Toho did that right at the beginning, but mm. <clears throat> I don't know, like, I feel like each film is very self-contained. If you work your way through the sort of Toho monster movies, uh, you know, obviously the Godzilla ones, and then the sort of offshoots, you know, Mothra, for example. Yeah, yeah. They sort of nod to each other, but not in a way that is it that makes it essential to have seen the films before. Yeah, They're yeah. all sort of fairly self-contained experiences, and... Yeah. characters will overlap but often the, the actors will play different roles and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. so it's not really something that's really important to the films whereas you know very much in that sort of marvelization mold you know yeah. things have to be coherent to some degree anyway i mean yeah yeah, yeah. definitely um but no it's interesting i mean because it sort of started with yeah gareth edwards godzilla which i saw on my birthday yeah 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 uh and yeah. then it was king kong or kong kong skull island that's right yeah yeah the only Kong film... I mean, obviously, there's loads of King Kong films. Yeah. But the only Kong film without the word King in front of it, I think. Oh, there you go. Kong Skull. But I don't know why they included that subtitle. Maybe the expectation that there'd be more Kong films with a subtitle. But there hasn't been. It's always been an amalgamation of... It's like they were too keen to sort of blend these different narratives together. Yeah, yeah. And it just became Godzilla versus Kong, which I haven't seen. And then it's now Godzilla X Kong, which I also have. It just reminds me of Jason X for some reason. Oh, yeah. yeah. It has that vibe to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even I'm only having seen the trailer, I can sort of, yeah, imagine it being that way. I don't know. Um, yeah, um, it's funny. I mean, I guess like the, re- the sort of original appeal for the Toho film, which as a sort of brief aside, the Criterion book only has the American version of. Oh, right. Okay. And you can buy the Japanese ver- version, which I haven't seen. But um, the American version's crap. It's really oh, right. bad. It's like recut, obviously, to suit Western audiences. Yeah. Obviously, Hollywood is always guilty of that. I guess the modern version of that would be like remaking 
sort of foreign films for an American audience. Yeah, or Psycho or something. Remember they remade Psycho? Yeah, Yeah, that kind of thing. But back then it was like very much like recutting and reshooting elements of films to suit like a Western audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because, you know, culturally the, the, the sort of difference is vast and I think they weren't trying to encourage this idea of sharing ideas and sharing things and sort of bringing people closer together. It was more about how can we make this film relatable to the American audience. Oh yeah. And it really sort of, really sort of impacts the film negatively. It's so choppy and bizarre. And obviously they do it on the cheap. They have like sequences of like a sort of war room, I think, or like a, I can't really remember, but it's like a room with like an American actor sat at a desk. It's really cheap, really, uh, you is know. It? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's man. really crap. Is but this the 54 one? Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, sorry. no, I don't yeah, know the yeah. year, actually. So it was, it was got to be after 54, because 54 was the original, original yeah. Godzilla. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's 54 anyway. But I think, yeah, <laughs> I, so but I guess the reason is, is obviously King Kong is the Western property. Yeah. Uh, Godzilla is the Eastern property, and there's some sort of obvious obvious similarities in terms of the the mythology of the creatures and and the size and you know and the cultural value yeah, yeah. Well, i would argue godzilla has far more cultural value than king kong but I, th- I think what people forget about king kong is the central theme behind that film is it's impossible to mold something that you perceive to be wild uh, it's impossible to tame it like and, and the whole point of that film is that you you know you effectively if you want to take any message from King Kong is that you can't Americanize Godzilla. <laughs> so I always think that it's the, the kind of central message of King Kong is that it's you know some things are best just kind of best left alone I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That was the, the always the message that I saw kind of got from it, and uh, it's odd that it's that's sort of been ignored. As has the message from Godzilla as well. Yeah, I mean I guess there is sort of, sort of thematic crossover i mean godzilla started obviously as we all know as a sort of very overt nod to the sort of horrors of atomic power yes um but as godzilla went on it took various different guises uh and the you know there was a growing sort of environmental theme yeah in the godzilla films and i think that's something that you know there's a thematic sort of similarity to king kong in that in terms of the sort of environmental element um humanity's sort of ceaseless quest to dominate nature and yeah, to control yeah. it uh, for its own means whereas yeah there's obviously Godzilla and King Kong in different guises or in the various films they've been in but it might, it might not always be the case but in certain films they, are, they represent that pushback of nature against humanity and that yeah, sort of yeah. realisation that you know for all of its technological innovation that there is still limit there are still limits to that in the face of nature and, yeah yeah um, but I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I, and also with the original King Kong, was you know the, the whole racial thing. It's not. Oh yeah, I mean it's one of a few different themes that yeah. they're exploring. <laughs> that's King Mars Kong. the film considerably. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, I aged it terribly well. But like, no, not at all. Um, I actually quite like Peter Jackson's King Kong. Yeah, I actually have a lot of reverence for that movie. I like it more than I realised. Yeah, I, I saw it. A couple of years ago, again, and I was like, oh, that was good. Like, it's him post Lord of the Rings, like right afterwards, and he's still got that kind of ability, at least in that era, to kind of sweep you up in a narrative and introduce all these kind of. He clearly loves the source material. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's, he, I thought he did a good job of updating, and that's probably where I got the the- thematic stuff from. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the beauty that killed the beast and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, the ending is dragged out, but that's Peter Jackson's way, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. He can't end a movie. If no. he's going to end a movie, he's going to need forty five minutes to end that fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, no. I, I I quite liked it. I mean, there's an extended cut again in classic Peter Jackson. Style, oh really? Which I've not seen, but okay, no, I've not either. I, I watched it watched it at the cinema. It was one of those films that nobody thought was going to be profitable when it opened because it opened at like number two or something. It was really disappointing. But then people went to see it steadily. Mm. Uh, that has no relevance to anything, by the way. It's just a bit of t- <laughs> no, t- no, no, a tidbit no. of... Keep it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't cut it. Yeah. I won't cut it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, I think it's interesting, you know, thinking about this idea of placating that sort of narrative model. Mm. Uh, and and a lot of a lot is lost in that narrative model. Um, yeah, you know, isolated stories. You know, I mean, we, we've said about this in the case of Marvel. I don't want to linger on it too much because we we always say we're never going to talk about them. <laughs> we always do, but you know, the, you know, this idea of this propulsive, ever moving narrative it will impact the singular nature of the narratives of each film. Yeah, exactly. Because you're constantly nodding to other things. You know, you're almost like like we've said this before, but it's like a self marketing machine. It's always. Yeah, you know, this you know, oh, oh, this little background thing, the Easter egg. You know, it's for like yeah. that sort of uh, viewers of that sort of inclination who have been sort of almost bred to be that way by this sort of phenomena, uh, yeah, this, this yeah. cultural phenomena. I mean, I don't remember the sort of you know the American sort of monster movie. Uh, franchise as it exists now really having too many of those but I know there's a couple I've got post credit sequences in and stuff which is obviously a big to the current landscape yeah I think you know I mean unlike comic books which have a base audience that remember these things for sort of nostalgic purposes I'm not saying people don't remember Godzilla and like have a fondness for the originals but nowhere near nearly to the same extent and they're not it's not the same audience either like I think it's a mistake adding those kinds of scenes and kind of these sort of nods to monster movies from the 50s because, you know, your average cinema goer these days in their, like, teens or 20s isn't going to remember any of that, isn't going to have seen any of it. Mm. And it's just almost like you say, they've seen a model that's working and are copying it. Um, And it's just odd that they haven't thought, well, actually, the people that are going to be watching this might not know or care who Mothra or some other kind of elaborate monster might be like it's just strange to me that they're doing maybe that. there's a hope that in doing that it will inspire sort of an investigation into the mythology i think in the, maybe. In, in the internet age one of the benefits i guess is of the internet is that you know people can watch an interview with the director saying oh well you know it's a homage to mothra yeah, you know, yeah and they'll yeah. go oh what's that and they might sort of go into it so like an active audience sort yeah of yeah sort of like yeah. a participatory thing but no i think you're largely right i think it's strange to do it i also think it's strange to do it you know by sort of just name alone like i think this is gonna sort of yeah. be the theme of this section of the discussion is the sort of you know <clears throat> the way in which the American representations of these characters are or sort of icons mm. um it's pales in comparison to the the Japanese representation is because the commitment to the themes and ideas that permeate across the sort of kaiju films and the mythology of the kaiju film genre as a whole isn't really present in the American films. It's more of like a nod, like a perfunctory nod. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess you could argue that obviously, you know, that, that 
the Japanese experience of experiencing atomic power is obviously a lot, you know, the, the you know, that is burnt far more deeply into their sort of yeah. I mean, they had a lot their history more into yeah. their in, and into their identity as as a nation. Mm. And I think you know, through that tr- sort of shared trauma, you know, Godzilla 1954, the original, and a few of the others, yeah, since that, and Godzilla minus one definitely oh, yeah. sort of sharing that trauma. Well, yeah. I would argue Godzilla minus one is a sort of more broader reflection on uh, the trauma of conflict more broadly than it is about atomic power. I agree. I mean, there's nods. Nods is sort of the wrong word, really. It's almost like they were celebrating it, which they're. I mean, the film doesn't attempt to do at all. But um, yeah, you're right. It's it's more of a broad comment on conflict in general. I think. Yeah. And how the attitudes towards conflict and towards you know how you act as someone in the military have changed in the last sort of 70 years yeah 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 uh well m- more of that later yeah but, more of um, that later but i mean yeah i just feel like maybe that's why the american films always come short because they don't have that sort of obviously you wouldn't wish the experience on anybody but they don't have that sort of feeling it's not part of their you know dna historically speaking i think yeah i think you're right like and also, uh, you know, American cinema, more specifically Hollywood, does have a tendency to sort of beat their own drum. And yeah, ha- yeah, 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 I mean, that's no, you know, that's no secret. And I'm not saying that that's not evident in sort of Japanese cinema. I think it's fine to have a sort of pride and national identity and all that kind of stuff. But America's particularly guilty of it. I think it's the ubiquitous nature, isn't it, of, of that of that yeah. um, pride. You know, it's excessive. And, it, it, and I think it's excessive because it has enjoyed a sort of considerable period of dominance, culturally speaking, across the whole world. I mean, yeah, yeah. certainly, you know, the Western world, you know, yeah. we share quite a lot with America, but there are a lot of values and things that we've sort of borrowed from them as a result of their culture, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, part, and it's almost become sort of bolted onto our identity. Mm, yeah. And I think, I mean, I think England is probably the country that's most susceptible to that in Europe. I mean, I have no way of quantifying that, but just as a feeling, I feel that that's the case. Well, I mean, the language helps. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, think that yeah, might yeah, be, yeah. Yeah. Our, but, our ability to digest media from America is absurdly, yeah. it's absurdly easy because it's, you don't have to change anything. You don't even no. have to change the poster, really. Um, no. Just, just slap a BBFC logo on it and, you know, you're good. <laughs> Am I right in thinking that the 2014 Godzilla was still set in Japan? I can't remember whether it is set in Japan or America. Because um, I know the 1997 Roland Emmerich one was set in... Uh, New York. In New York, yeah, which is, you know, a pretty clear tr- transplant of, you know, the, the original sort of themes into into like the american system it's pretty po face but i think i I mean i might have to say if i've got a feeling it might actually be set in japan maybe i'm wrong we're about to find out san francisco oh there we go so yeah san francisco um again then it's it's odd to me that you know the creation of something like godzilla is a result of a shared trauma and that america can just kind of assume the same trauma yeah, <laughs> yeah even though they haven't i mean i'm sure they've had cities bombed and stuff but they never had one leveled let no, alone I think geographically you know the sort of distance america had from all of the conflict meant they didn't really have to no they had a harbor that was it not a city <laughs> yeah i mean that was a yeah yeah pearl harbor um but i mean in terms of like um 
bombing on home soil. Yeah, and yeah. Attack on sort of American infrastructure. Yeah, that's not something they really had to endure a great deal of. Yeah, I think during either major conflict, which is another reason why the American versions won't work nearly as well and won't. Yeah, there isn't. Uh, yeah, it's it's strange. It's sort of strange to say it. Um, I think the effectiveness of Godzilla is because of that trauma and that experience. So, yeah, which obviously you would rather didn't happen, but yeah, you know, I think you know this this is a response to that a reflection of that Godzilla is yeah. in the embodiment of that trauma and that pain um whereas you're right i think you're right in the sense that america doesn't really have that i think it would have been quite interesting if they'd like done it from like the old, the, the sort of alternate perspective well, i think we talked about this in the oppenheimer episode but you yeah. know you know during the 1950s obviously when godzilla was coming into prominence atomic age cinema was huge in america it was such yeah. a big deal and it was built on this idea of anxiety about the yeah. atomic age you know they'd seen what it had done mm. and they were scared obviously they were worried about other powers such as the russians getting hold of it which yes, sort of gripped yeah. a lot of that um and it sort of held this idea that no we're the ones that have got it but we're we're going to be sensible with it <laughs> we're the good yeah, ones you know yeah but even then i think a lot of the sort of movies of the time weren't convinced by that you know it's always about you know sort of scientists charging unwillingly into the unknown or yeah or like military figureheads being reckless with like you know weapons and stuff so dumping toxic waste into the sea exactly yeah like big, yeah big like, ants coming out of it and exactly stuff like that. yeah <laughs> so it's like there is a sort of um you know there is a sort of more self-reflective edge to some obviously it's like any film movement there are going to be elements that are going to be sort of they're going to placate the state-held preference for how these things should be framed but i think there are a lot of films out there that that encapsulate the the anxiety of just global power more broadly and i think it would be really interesting if the films now borrowed from that and used that more or maybe they went even with further with it and tried to make a sort of reflective mediation on being the country that the only country that's used it. Mm, yeah. And the sort yeah. of like moral conundrum of presenting yourself as a you know, as like morally the dominant ideological power yeah. as far as nuclear weapons are concerned, despite being the only one that's used it on a largely sort of civilian populace and Yeah. I don't know. I just think that that kind of contradiction could be really interesting and something that could be worked with. I think so. Yeah, I think it'd be great, actually. I think what the problem with that, and this is only a problem in conventional like Hollywood narrative sense, is that there has to be a success at the end. So yeah, there has to be true. a defeat. And if the thing they're defeating is something they've created, then I know that is a kind of narrative trope in itself, but I, I feel like some of the, the kind of reflective nature of the narrative will get diluted by the fact that they end up defeating it in some sense yeah but I, but yeah, yeah. I mean or someone is bold enough to make a film where it doesn't get defeated and there's yeah, it's a very yeah. drab ending and maybe there's a kind of uh, yeah the, the, the hopefulness that would come out of one of those conventional narratives would be from a, like a point of view of reflection yeah. I think that could be great uh, someone make that please actually I'd be dead up for that Godzilla yeah. minus two <laughs> But it'd be an American version, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. or an English version. Oh, even yeah. better, yeah. Painton, yeah. In England. <laughs> Imagine what's set in England, yeah. That'd what be crazy? Because all the coastal towns in England, like London's pretty landlocked. It's yeah. quick. Take take Godzilla a long time to yeah, walk yeah, to yeah. London. It'd be like a twenty minute bit. Um, yeah, they'd have to go through that South End on Sea. Yeah, just first. just laying waste to like these sort of grotty, crumbling relics of like. Yeah, yeah. 
the British holiday. Just yeah, I, I'd love to see it. I would as well. Uh, yeah, and no, I think I think I think that would be more interesting, and I think it would perhaps you know garner a bit more sort of international respect and acclaim. I think. Um, yeah. Because you know there is this sort of sense of moral superiority that is echoed by their cultural superiority, and I think that's something that America has exuded for a very, very long time. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to see them sort of try and subvert that, um, you know, yeah. in in a way that would be meaningful and and show a sort of like commitment to, you know, taking ownership mm. for what sort of horrors nu- their use of atomic power as as placed on the shoulders of another country i don't know i just think it'd be interesting I mean, not that it would ever happen but i mean i think there are lots of examples in sci-fi cinema where the critique is always about corporations mm. uh, or the death of the environment you think like avatar you know that's the most recent and popular yeah. example yeah i mean kudos to it for having that message i mean and it's, it's like you know the, the sort of military archetypes which cameron does really well from like aliens onwards you know like yeah, yeah. Stephen lang sort of general character who's just this sort of like you know meat knucklehead, knucklehead yeah. soldier represents everything about the sort of military mindset that is yeah. you know uh, a danger to any sort of like environmental preservation yeah definitely um so it's there but i think it's vague enough to be hidden within the narrative whereas yeah. if you did a film that was very overt that maybe we're the bad guys, you know. Like, I'd, I'd be interested to know how that would like chime with like audiences. Yeah, because I mean, you know, you can achieve that quite easily with, you know, the zombie film. Yeah. Historically, has always been uh, an introspective look on humanity mm. and yeah. looking at our mistakes and how maybe we're the reason why this has happened. You know, that's quite yeah. a common theme. So to transplant that into the monster movie, I think, would be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, Romero is great for that. I mean, the original is like more about you know reflection on like race. And, oh mate, and, oh yeah. And the sequel is about consumerism. You know, yeah, like, yeah. These are things that have worked really, really well. I'd oh, just yeah. love to see a director take a big fucking swing on a like a multi. I mean, obviously, it's not necessarily down to the director. I'm sure there are plenty of willing, creative minds in America who would, who would come together on it, but yeah. a studio taking a punt. So but like, even then, it'd be like one of those things are just sort of using that as, as a marketing tool, which would create its own se- set of sort of yeah, potential yeah. issues. As <laughs> we like sort of Dan... talked about in the context of Barbie. Yes, you know, yeah, yeah. Different problems, but similar sort of contradictions, you know. I think, I mean... Something like Prey, you know, Dan Trachtenberg. Yeah, the guy yeah. Who did Prey might be an interesting guy to, to spear. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not only thinking about his past work, he's re- more recently, and like how he's sort of quite good at subverting that, and also doing films for quite cheap as well. So, yeah. yeah. Hard to do a monster film for cheap, though. Yeah. Well, well, my, my God, well, in the West, in, in America, it's hard to do it cheaply. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that again. In yeah. A bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you? What are your thoughts on? I don't know why this guy keeps popping into my head. And actually, no. Before I discuss Aaron Taylor Johnson, um, I want to talk about very uh, briefly, weirdly, that you mentioned Night of the Living Dead. Because I, when I watched, I watched a little uh, bit of Godzilla today, original, nineteen fifty four. Yeah, Toho. It struck me how similar it was. Not just obviously they're both black and white, right? But just like in the way that music is employed and the way that okay. the shots are all very like locked off and measured and considered, but it's still quite quick cutting. There was yeah. real similarities between yeah, those two films. Yeah, Did yeah. you see what I'm saying? Well, there? I mean, I mean, I haven't seen Night of the Living Dead for quite some time. It's on YouTube. Um, is it on YouTube? There's no license for it. The, oh, the license. I've got a Criterion copy. Oh, mate. 
Oh, Plugging it again. <laughs> yeah. Mind leaving? Uh, yeah, no. Wow, I didn't realise it was on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those strange things where, um, so George Romero forgot to copyright the living dead. So oh. that that's why every subsequent film made by Romero isn't called Of the Living Dead. Right. Some okay. other fucker got the license before him. Fucking and, hell. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's, there's a whole story behind it. It's like really difficult to find consistent prints of it and all that kind of shit but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah weird that is weird but I mean I, I, I've not considered the sort of the visual similarities that's interesting I'd like to watch both those films yeah I, I don't know just day. in the way that terror is kind of harnessed yeah. by those two films yeah, so yeah. struck me as really similar that's really cool I've not considered that that's an yeah, interesting yeah. comparison I don't know um, it does help that they're both black and white obviously and they're both reasonably Living Dead was 60s and I think God, uh, Godzilla was 1950s, but um, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Sorry, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Um, in 2014, Godzilla. If you remember, he was quite sort of. He's a bit meaty knucklehead. He oh, does, yeah. he is a very broad guy in that. Like he's been to the gym way too much. He doesn't fit into any shirt. Yeah. I swear to God, it's, it's not necessary for a Godzilla film. I I thought that. I think I thought it was really odd because that house. Jacked you are. It's fucking Godzilla. Yeah, he has got and got a neck in it. Yeah, yeah. It's just muscle. I, I sort of don't really remember him in the movie. I don't know. If that's well, this the... is yeah, this is it. Like I don't. He doesn't play a memorable character. Brian Cranston played a more memorable character. Oh yeah, and Claire uh, uh, Julia Binoche is in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. As Strange. Brian Cranston's wife, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. And Cranston okay. dies really early on. This was po- this was like peak Breaking Bad. Yeah, sort of yeah, fame. Yeah. Um, so I imagine. It was kind of yeah, riding that wave. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I do remember very little about the characters in that film. Actually. Well, this is something that's really interesting, and I think worth sort of talking before we move on to talk more sort of about the Japanese uh, iteration of the, of of the of the king monsters. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like I think um, the characterization of uh, the human characters is is so much stronger. Yeah, in the Japanese yeah. versions of these films and I just I, I think a, a big part of the reason is it, as far as I can tell is that there's a sort of there's an earnestness in the Japanese films that the American films don't have yeah yeah I think the American films are just sort of relying on very familiar approaches to blockbuster characterization. yeah and their view is as well Godzilla's the main event so yeah. you know let's sort of have like a few characters set up some fairly sort of cookie cutter motivations and backstories. Yeah. Um I think you wanted to go a bit into that, so I'm not gonna take your thunder with that. But you oh, know, yeah, like yeah. you know, like uh and then make them quite quippy. There's always there's always they've always got to quip, they've always got to joke. Yeah. As, yeah. That seems to be a real thing about Blockbuster American Blockbuster cinema, sorry. Um and there's always sort of a sort of you know, things don't quite marry. You yeah. Know? Uh whereas in in, in the Japanese, well, not all of them, obviously. There are some that are quite wacky and silly and things don't really make sense. But, you know, in the more sort of like, and particularly with Minus One, there's a real focus on characterization, And again, taking those tried and tested themes and ideas that have existed since the creation of Godzilla, mm. embedding them in the characters. So almost like Godzilla feels like a part of that world, shared. So it's almost like the trauma of the Godzilla impacts on them. Yeah. It's sort of more visceral as a result um i don't know i wonder what you think about that yeah no i agree i think uh i was sort of looking into this today and 
yeah, a big problem that uh, a lot of American films tend to have is they tend to kind of favour the narrative of the anti-hero. Right. Which happens quite a lot with Godzilla. And he's less of a kind of overt villain, which takes away the impact of him being a, a symbol for like sort of the nuclear arsenal and the kind of nuclear paranoia and right, the yeah. constant crushing kind of uh, feeling that you might at any point get annihilated. Right, and yeah, to yeah. sort of make him an anti-hero is to completely wash wash those sort of ideas away. Um, and it happens quite a lot in the more recent. Uh, even the Godzilla 2014, I remember him not explicitly being a creature of evil. No, he fights something else, doesn't he? He fights some, toes. Yeah, yeah, toes like a big something. bug. And it's like he's meant to be the one who's saving the city as opposed to destroying Yeah, he's sort it. of like a protector, isn't he? Like a guardian. Yeah. And again, like, this is something that's been borrowed from later yeah, time. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. But but the way that it's employed, cause, because the sort of threat of Godzilla isn't in any way perceived as being fun it's quite sincere yeah <laughs> to yeah. then kind of counter that it's like when they did it with texas chainsaw massacre like, what are you doing making him anti-hero he's meant to be horrified mm, um mm. and so that that lessens the impact quite a lot f- f- definitely I, I think um yeah it's just a, it's just an american obsession it's interesting isn't it um and i think yeah you're right to mention of course you know toho's later godzilla films there's plenty in that collection that are very much about this idea of godzilla as a protector yeah, um, you know, I think it's interesting in the more sort of recent versions and Godzilla minus one, and even like Shin Godzilla, which was the sort of twenty sixteen, yeah, yeah twenty sixteen yeah. film. He is sort of a villain, but it's bizarre. Like he's not sort of it's not sort of knowingly a villain. No, yeah, and that's what's so central to the sort of power of Godzilla is that he's this sort of like force of nature. That's yeah, been, yeah, you know, whose power has been exacerbated by the sort of by the hubris of man. You yeah, know, and yeah. I think that. And his subsequent appearance and and the destruction he causes, obviously, like there is, yeah, totally, like you know, there's a, it smacks of being a villain, but you know, it's almost like a natural disaster. Yeah, you know, like you, yeah. you know, you can't sort of say, well, a volcano's a villain or a tornado's a villain. Yeah, because it's almost separate. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like Godzilla is kind of like that in <laughs> in that context. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think mm. that's what makes the thematic intensity of those films so powerful, is because it's almost like a force that cannot be yeah it's almost not driven by like human emotions of revenge or or, or malice or it's just this sort of plodding it's unpredictable unpredictable sort of almost otherworldly or godlike power yeah which is something that Godzilla films also focus on this idea of him almost being like a god which I think American films have been quick to use to sort of use him as like that sort of yeah like over you know the protector and yeah, uh, as someone that is sort of, you know, gonna save the human race. It almost sort of like swim takes... off, swims off afterwards. Yeah, why? Yeah, yeah. Why would he do that ever? Like, yeah. if anything, even if he's just a curious, misunderstood animal, he's still gonna be smashing, smashing shit <laughs> yeah, to pieces. Yeah, yeah. So I'm bored of this. That's actually what I love about Peter Jackson. He said quite often when he when he's designing monsters, is he always designs them with a kind of air of kind of sorrow. Like you feel sorry for them because. They don't know they're being destructive. They're just acting on impulse and instinct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the extent where there's something quite sweet he said about the cave troll in the first Lord of the Rings film. He said he's looking for its mum. And it's like, it puts a whole new perspective on watching that scene. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah, that yeah. is, to, to a certain extent, transplanted to King Kong as well, as everyone's seeing him as a sort of destructive force. And actually all he's doing is, is being bewildered and getting angry because people are, you know, looking at him and stuff and, yeah, and kind yeah. of 
dressing him up as a, a sort of circus event. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, he has the power to destroy, and that is in itself like a dangerous thing. So the terror sort of remains. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and I think it, when employed well, like like it is in Godzilla minus one, I think it's a really wonderful way to kind of yeah keep keep people guessing about what's going to happen next, and uh, yeah, you know, no one's no one is safe. Like, yeah, agreed. And on a thematic level as well, like what sort of bothers me about the American versions is that it almost deprives humans of the blame. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, which I think is like you know one of the worst things you could do in a Godzilla film. Like yeah. even Godzilla minus one, you know, like the trauma of war is very much part of that movie, and you feel a great deal of sort of sympathy. Yeah, and, and yeah. Well, I guess empathy as well for these individuals. Yeah, um, but they are still like their trauma is a byproduct of man's desire to conquer and destroy one another. Yeah, on yeah. a sort of like collective or systemic level. You know, mm. as, as in you know the um, Jap, you know, the emperor, and and all that sort of stuff, and yeah, and of course the the allies as well. By no means <laughs> virtuous. So yeah. you know, it, it's this sort of idea. You know, and and that's so central to the film. And mm. that again, it, it, it sort of it, it aids the idea of Godzilla being separate. Yeah, is that it's actually humanity's fault, really, unless yeah. they book their fucking ideas up. Yeah. Whereas in like the American films, it's always like, oh, it's the month, it's these giant space aliens or An inconvenient bugs. bloody yeah, monster. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like the humans <laughs> have got to like band together and like you know work alongside these creatures, which again Toho did a lot, but it was after like a legacy, a building a legacy of which these creatures were the sort of end product of humanity's sort of. Yeah, cruelty or capacity for destruction, and then through that, subsequently through that, they could be representations of hope. Yeah, you know, they could encourage, you know, mankind or humankind to sort of collaborate and help each other. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. a lot of Godzilla movies that are very much about like the world coming together to fight this threat. So it's yeah. like the idea is, is okay, we haven't been brilliant with each other for the last f- few centuries. Yeah, let's yeah. drop all of our. I know it's easier said than done, but in the context the of a monster film, you can get away with it, you know. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> the themes are so sort of like operatic and lofty, you sort of can't but sort of be taken up by them. It's sort of sweat, it's heart swelling. It's this idea of humans working together, putting their differences aside for yeah. a better planet, for a better society. And, and that's the thing I love so much about, really, about Godzilla is that yes, he's this destructive force. Yes, he represents humanity's capacity for great evil mm. but he's also some something that can be a symbol for change yeah in his yeah. own way he's sort of saving humanity do you know what i mean <laughs> okay, and, he, and he doesn't yeah. necessarily need to be this force that overtly is the protector to do that and and when he is like that it, it sort of deprives humanity of the blame it take the villain isn't humanity it's a monster it's we're just you know we're yeah. just doing our thing you know mm. and oh bloody hell like you say the yeah, yeah, yeah. monster you know <laughs> I don't know like I feel like that's my big gripe with the American that's interesting I didn't actually think about that like, you're right it is um, it, it is Godzilla almost should exist as a kind of big perspective shifter yeah yeah it's yeah, like yeah. oh fuck well, I didn't you know <laughs> it's kind of put, to exist to put things in perspective for humanity um and I mean that actually is quite a real phenomenon as well. Like apparently the like the do you remember the tsunami in two thousand and four helped bring quite a lot of countries together. I mean trauma it, it, does it does you know like the end of the Second World War. I mean you know just from an English perspective, the idea of like you know the National Health Service yeah, and the yeah. welfare state and yeah. these are things that are born out of a sort of shared experience of horror. Like yeah, 
sometimes you know if you go through history like <coughs> like the you know the american sort of political infrastructure changed to sort of you know with a more sort of compassionate eye you know it, mm. sometimes i mean it's it's sad to say it but sometimes these things exist as a result of sharing a period of great horror yeah reflecting on it and, and changing and I feel like Godzilla represents that best he represents yeah, yeah. that sort of idea that humanity can can sort of see the potential for what they can do to one another yeah both horribly and like you know positively yeah it's definitely one of the only franchises I can think franchises I can think of that deals with destruction after a war yeah yeah yeah, yeah. active you know thinks because I suppose like the idea, and obviously I know the kind of broad strokes with it, but um, what I find fascinating about Godzilla is how he's actually sort of quite slow uh, compared to an atomic bomb, for instance. Mm. So if an atomic bomb were to be dropped on any sort of large metropolitan area, it would be instantaneous. Yeah. You know, and when you... But what I think Godzilla is almost representing is, is actually the aftermath of a nuclear blast, which is like, ionizing oh, yeah. radiation yeah yeah. And yeah. so it is more of a slow plodding like yeah you know it's roaring and you can see it coming yeah and that that is like another theme that i think it deals with taps into quite nicely and, and, and that extends to godzilla minus one as well just the idea that you can look behind you and see it coming yeah and you, your demise is is inevitable but it isn't instantaneous which is almost you know, you could probably be praying for something like that if he's going to see yeah. a big fucking monster come towards you. But I, yeah, I guess yeah. it sort of pairs well with the sort of uh, the idea that it could be any time. Yes, which yeah. I guess is a very sort of like Cold War era feeling. Oh know? man, yeah, completely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't around for that no, period of history, I. but I, I've heard stories about you know people like sort of television broadcasts about how you you know how to make a bunker and yeah yeah or like you know happen. like the yeah. sort of like um it's funny uh, at work the day we were watching iron giant oh fuck yeah 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 which, which to is... me is one of the greatest kids animated films of all time it's perfect it's i love that film beautiful movie i actually was getting quite sort of emotional when i was watching it for many reasons but yeah it's primarily. a sad film but like yeah but it's it's you know like uh and there's a bit in the film where uh hogarth Oh, is sat yeah. like drawing the Iron Man and they're watching footage of like you know a government made video of what kids should do at school should they be yes so and again yeah. the Iron Giant is very much based in that era and it's very similar thematically actually yeah. it is yeah I mean based on a, oh, bit, what a film what a great movie yeah I yeah. mean that would probably be my favourite ever animation I think yeah Brad Bird wasn't it? I know yeah he can do it I oh, can like he can he can pull it out of the bag when he wants to he can really lace this is a bit of an offshoot but I guess yeah, it's all yeah. tied into it it's a monster he's a monster he is a monster yeah, yeah. It's, it's flipped on its head yeah you know like the iron there, there's a, an old story iron the, the iron man which is like yeah, yeah. a monster yeah 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 coming out of a swamp or something or, or uh, I think it's, that might um, be a woman actually uh, so yeah. the book it's based on is yeah it starts off with him on a coast that's right yeah is, is it, yeah yeah in England yeah 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 <laughs> but um, I love the lovely book as well yeah, man, I love the way that film handles. Uh, it has that kind of ET appeal and that sort of childlike yeah. sense of innocence, and um, and that's and, what you know yeah. what's so powerful about that film. And I think just misunderstanding the whole thing is based yeah, on misunderstanding. Yeah. And the only person that can see through it is is a person that's not necessarily bogged down by ideology. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. Or, you know, yeah. they they see things. You know, they're, they're seeing things from a position of like 
this sort of liberating perspective of pu- you know, purity. Yeah, it's sort yeah. of guided by this pure idea of like uh, of Just humanity and, and and decency and yeah. none of their beliefs have been sculpted by their environment or people around them so much. You know, yeah, they're, yeah. They've all, they've, that that distance they have to the history that surrounds them as well, and actually ends up being their saving grace. And I yeah. think in the case of Iron Man, it's you know he you know he you know, befriends the Iron Man and helps to try and sort of like, uh, and saves him and sort of almost helps inform his behaviour on the basis of that idea that he doesn't want him to be a weapon. He doesn't want him to be something that can destroy or be used to destroy enemies, you you know. It's great. And the presentation of the United States military in that film is not flattering whatsoever. No way. Um, So bold. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about in terms of like Godzilla, man. Like, Mm. fuck it, it's come full circle now. (laughs) You know, like, that's something that is really, can be done. And it has been done and it it works so beautifully when done right. And I think The Iron Giant is a brilliant example of that. Yeah, I need to rewatch that film. It's so great. Another one of those films that came in an annoying cardboard DVD case. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. had that for a while and I got rid of it because it got damp in a... Uh, my room got flooded at <laughs> university. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had to get rid of it. Got it. Uh, um, I had it on VHS. Oh, yeah. So quite a common video. Yeah, yeah. I remember right it came in like a special box with an iron giant figure in it. Oh, I treasured that figure. I wish I still had it now. But oh, yeah, man. yeah. No, that film is a huge moment for me. Mm. You know, and one of the great, yeah, great animation, you know, yeah, particularly from a Western perspective, because it shows that introspection. And, it, yeah. and I think you're right in, in sort of pairing it with other films like E.T., who use the sort of, yeah, the, the sort of purity of the, ch- the sort of, of the eyes of a child to yeah, yeah. almost unmask yes, yeah. the horrors of the environment that they're growing into. Yeah, yeah, completely. And the ideology that's going to transform that, it's going to take away that purity and mm. dog it with ideas around, you know, nationalism yeah you know, this, you know which is very prevalent in the 19 well the era of iron giant which i assume is the 50s i think it's the 50s yeah and i think correct me if i'm wrong but you know the incredibles another brad bird film yes uh that sort of i mean it's not explicitly set in the 50s but a lot of the design choices and yeah a lot yeah, of, yeah i would agree it's very much the same ilk it's uh, that sort of 50s approximation of what the future would be like yeah like fallout or something yeah yeah, 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 yeah. exactly the same yeah, thing yeah yeah which is quite a unique style and a style that I quite like seeing yeah, on screen, yeah. actually. It's a shame that um, Tomorrowland didn't work out uh, because that had the same aesthetic as well. Yeah, I think yeah. it got muddled up in a bunch of different stuff. But um, yeah, his work is very indicative of that era and parano- Cold War paranoia, nuclear families and uh, and children and how and how they navigate that space. I just think, yeah. Brilliant. Good, yeah, good, film. good filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, great. And a great segue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm glad segue. we talked about that because yeah. <laughs> I bloody love that movie a, a, mm. a lot. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of sort of like other examples of like films that have, have at least, you know, embody the spirit of Godzilla whilst not being Godzilla. Okay, yeah, yeah. And the only film, well, the film series that comes to mind is Gummera. Right, which okay. is Which is... You know, essentially, very much a sort of carbon copy. A lot of the ideas, you know, it's a, another giant lizard. It's right, like a tortoise. Yeah, yeah it's like a giant yeah. tortoise with with horns. <laughs> okay. And I remember I took a punt on the box set from Arrow. Oh, really? Because they did two box sets. They did the Showa era, which is 
the first i think the first collection of films and that's like more geared towards children right okay uh, and then they did the he say era that is you know strips away a lot of that sort of like it's not sort of concerned with the, the appealing to children it's more sort of taking the ideas of the kaiju mythology and making it like more adult right yeah okay yeah uh the box set is four films I've not seen the fourth one because I hear the fourth one's really rubbish. No, no, okay. But the first three are honestly brilliant. Oh, really? Brilliant, brilliant okay. films. And again, there's a real loftiness in the way that they approach the kaiju mythology. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's still ridiculous. I mean, like, the way that the, the Gamera gets around is by, <laughs> um, he's, like, rocket-powered. <laughs> Uh, okay. shrink and he just blows <laughs> it's silly but it really really works as like a sort of this idea of the ground level impact of these these monsters fighting uh, yeah. and the thematic depth that that brings in terms of the characterization of the, the people around around Gamera is is really really great and okay I mean I've not seen them for a while I, I did sort of intend to watch them um today or what at least watch the third one which is my favorite okay um, yeah, yeah. because it's you know, quite lofty and quite sort of dramatic and quite sort of sad film oh really okay um the first godzilla is pretty yeah yeah, sad, yeah yeah i mean it, i think the first godzilla is sad in the sense that if you if you take the like the stills from like you know the aftermath of uh the the, the atomic bombs yeah, and like the the hospitals and the children and mm. the, you know and all that sort of stuff, they do that in Godzilla. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you could literally match them up, and there's so little difference between oh, the wow, imagery yeah. of Godzilla. I don't um, remember any of that, but it does make sense actually. Um, there must be a sort of kind of comparison somewhere. Oh, there will be. I mean, Ishihiro Haru Honda was, was very explicit in that, and in the interviews that I watched of him talking about that. And, yeah, and why not? You it's know, quite a well documented. Um, production apparently yeah the original 50s or yeah, the only yeah. thing they can't really work out is why he's called godzilla oh really yeah yeah there's like a bunch of different rumors but none are confirmed <laughs> but no there we go um sorry yeah, no, no yeah no no it's fine another very welcome segue but yeah no gamera really worth a go yeah he say era uh, i've not seen the the shower era they could be great uh and i, I think arrow do do the shower era blu-rays as well yeah so i might look into investing in those at some point but yeah they're, they're, they're honestly again it's Japanese so you know it's not I was trying to think of like more western examples the only ones I could think of that sort of predate it would be like the, the sort of like universal horror movies I think we've spoke about this before but the particular the particular highlights being the Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein which yeah, are obviously yeah. indebted to Mary Shelley yeah. I think we've talked about that sort of legacy of you know horror and sci-fi um, literature and how that sort of started this idea of being sort of not entirely distrustful, but being sort of worried about the way in which humanity takes the technology that it that it you know that it that it tries to master. Yeah, the birth of science, right? That was sort yeah, of Frankenstein's. Yeah. That I mean, yeah. that, you could argue that's a response to something equally terrifying, although less about conflict and more about progress. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose. Um, and uh, I, mean, I don't really know. I think Dracula is a bit of a different one, isn't it? Because that's yeah, not... Dracula's more sort of myth. You know, that is sort of more based on the the way in which Victorian society treated sexuality as this sort of really shadowy and secretive thing. Yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of it actually going on under the you know under the <laughs> scenes. Oh well, yeah, I was there, but you know, 
at least by sort of Bram Stoker's estimation, that's that's yeah, what he was yeah. trying to tap into. If you want to talk about thematic parallels, though, it kind of works, I suppose, and just sort of a, a country's response to a particular kind of occurrence or something that they perceive to be threatening. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whether that yeah, be yeah. true or not, like nuclear power or science or sexuality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Some great arts come out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's. I think that's sort of central. I mean, I think. We, you know, we, we bang on about this quite a lot, but that's the sort of importance of culture, isn't it? It's not yeah. always directly, but, you know, in some way it's partially reflective of, of, of those concerns and anxieties at the time. And yeah, I think when you see the manifestations of those anxieties play out in real time, i.e. the, the dropping of the atomic bombs on Hiroshima yeah, and Nagasaki, yeah. it adds that extra fuel. Mm. You know, you could imagine Ishihara Honda, you know, really wanting to capture that and distill that yeah. feeling uh, and, I, and it sort of frustrates me that people would write off monster movies on the basis of the visual stuff yeah yeah uh, which i don't necessarily blame people for because yeah okay like it's a pretty hard sell but the idea and i think it's sort of been watered down by the american representation of monster movies yeah yeah um, but they can be really impactful stories i mean gamera is a great example godzilla you know, is a great yeah. example. Mm. Um, Shin Godzilla, I mean, 2016, Godzilla yeah. Minus One. You know, there is still plenty of gas in the tank to make films that can be, you know, I mean, ambitious in scope and spectacle, but still have that sort of deep, uh, the deep roots and the sort of the history that bore them, you know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think it's interesting what uh, Godzilla Minus One did in particular. Uh, in the, I, when I went into it, I forgot or I didn't know from the trailer that it was set in the, the late 40s. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was going to be a transition at some point to modern uh, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, monster films do tend to do that, don't they? Again, Western monster films, they start in an old period, don't they? Set it up, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, and then they yeah. go back to the, to the modern day to kind of, you know, you, the easy way out would be, oh, it's going to be more frightening because it's in a modern context yeah, and people yeah. can relate to it more. But the fact they stuck to the period and making it a period film was really smart i think because agreed yeah it yeah. just like it, it hammered home sort of universal values of you know what that film was trying to say which uh which something you just sort of said to me earlier and i don't want to water down your own point which no, you no, might be trying to make a bit later on but it is it, it's largely and chiefly concerned with like uh the idea of the preservation of life being universal really and the, the idea that uh, well, the whole sort of concept of a kamikaze pilot being sort of contradictory, mm. you, you know. Although, yes, you'll be giving your own life to save hundreds, potentially hundreds of others. It's like it's still a life lost, and I mm. think there's a lot of humanity in Godzilla minus one in its sort of uh, rejection of that. Ultimately, the rejection of that idea. Yeah, the idea um, of sort of sacrifice to placate, you know, trenchant nationalism. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, like. And, and this is something that I think it's really interesting that you mentioned the idea of the the, the framing of the history and in, in terms of the setting. Yeah, yeah. Because these are sort of themes and, that are very prevalent now. And yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. And it sort of highlights the sort of tragedy of of, of the, the predicament of the characters. That yeah, these these themes are still things that need to be addressed. And oh, I don't yeah. want to seem like you know, ooh, you know, I don't want to put <laughs> like that. But you know, it's like the, the the power of a war movie is in the the relatability of the of of the events of now. 
yeah. the events that whatever conflict the film is focusing on you know yeah yeah if i think about you know a great example mentioned this before gi samurai you know yeah yeah, yeah. posters on the wall that you know toby got me for <laughs> my birthday after me waffling on about it last time i'm not after another poster toby oh yeah um <laughs> Well, but but, <laughs> but you know, like you know, that is a film that I think it was sort of late seventies or maybe eighties. But it's a sort of mediation on, on the of the sort of fallout from the Second War. Still, this idea that the Japanese Defence Force has been severely inhibited by the rules placed on them by Western powers, chiefly the United States, to strip back their military and how the military is a sort of a, an absolutely integral facet to have, to national pride. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and how, in the Japanese perspective, that's sort of been castrated by losing the war. Yes. And this is something that Godzilla Minus One deals with really well because, you know, the idea of the kamikaze pilot is obviously a really sort of horrible one. Ultimate um, expression of national pride. But, right? but it is yeah, the yeah. ultimate expression of service to one's country. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even though, historically, they weren't actually that... They weren't they, sort of a potent a force. A lot of them would miss their targets and get shot down. And oh, really? So yeah, yeah. It was almost more like the symbolism of it was more important than the actual yeah. sort of strategic value of doing it, you know? Yeah. And that's particularly interesting in the context of this film because the character wrestles with that. He wrestles with the guilt of not doing it. And he's yes. sort of blamed by people for not doing it, for not showing bravery and not sacrificing himself. Yeah which is something that is really sort of quite horrible to bear, the idea that a whole country would, would buy that sort of idea, either out of fear or either out of like a genuine enthusiasm for the idea of dying for your country. And, and yeah, yeah. Like, even to the extent where there's that scene early on where his sister, like, rejects him. Yeah. Right? He's like, what are you doing? You were meant to you were meant to die. It's like the opposite of what would normally happen. You think she's going to be delighted. Yeah, she's yeah. She's horrified to see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's still alive. The fact so. that he's alive is a symbol of his almost weakness and his yeah, yeah. inability to serve you know, the emperor or, or the, you know. I think it's, it was almost in the way in which the Japanese military was framed during the war. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm, funnily enough, completely unplanned, but um, I'm reading a book about uh, Japanese cinema at the moment. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And it talks about... Uh, the sort of Japanese wartime cinema mm. and a lot of the propaganda that was used it wasn't necessarily in the same way that European propaganda was used in the sense that it was always always about framing the enemy as all evil yeah, to sort of justify right. whatever they're going to do Yeah, the Japanese equivalent was not so much preoccupied with the idea it was more about sharing in the struggle Oh, really? So they would like talk about this idea of like the struggles at home, which obviously got worse as the war went on, as the yeah. Japanese started to lose. Um, but also the struggles of the soldiers abroad. So it almost right. felt like you were sort of like one coherent mass, yeah, all pulling together for uh, the emperor, yeah. for the for Japan, you know. And you know, it was really weird that I was just I happened to read this passage from the book a day after watching Godzilla. Yeah. Because it almost, you know, made sense more, made the film sort of more impactful. The idea, that is you know, true. and that's why he's treated with such a vitriol by people when he returns home to Tokyo. Is it because he's acted in his own interest? Exactly, he's right, acted yeah. in a way that is separate to the sort of national ideology of all banding together and being as one. I mean, yeah. the emperor himself framed himself as almost this godlike being, this power. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the center of a hive mind. Yeah, right? like yeah, and yeah. It, you know, like obviously there were. <laughs> You know, to say that everyone in Japan was was bewitched by that. I mean, we all know that fear can play as much of a role oh, in yeah. sort of at least giving 
the sort of society the illusion of complicity and i imagine obviously there's probably a lot of dissent as well it's quite a lot of well-documented dissent in the book it talks about quite a few sort of film critics and stuff who were like imprisoned because they were like you know didn't really sort of buy a lot of the sort of stuff that the the government was trying to use the film industry for to push yeah right okay um but slight segue but you know it's um i think i think it's a really really interesting theme of the film Mm. and i think it's a theme that even though it is very much japanese in the sense that it's focusing on sort of that period of history in terms of you know the firebombing of japan because obviously uh, you know tokyo was never nuked but it was firebombed horrendously i mean a lot of japan was really badly firebombed during the war because of their wooden housing oh yeah of course yeah um and that's a conscious decision by the allies to do that to use firebombs you know and i don't know like it's a i don't know like a really horrible sad film really underneath all of the sort of inherent ridiculousness of godzilla which i love but yeah you know. it does a good job of relating it back to godzilla as well yeah and kind of yeah, shared yeah, yeah, paranoia yeah. of a new threat that that they has you know only been encountered a couple of couple of years previously and it relates to the main character specifically as well yeah right? yeah, yeah right after he's kind of he he lands on an island basically uh after be after bottling it basically it's not a very nice way to put it but that's what's happened uh and and he's uh, he meets these mechanics that happen to be on an island where a much younger much more speedier uh godzilla is uh kind of lying in wait for them and um and it's his hesitancy to kind of open fire on this beast which kind of reinforces the idea that he's a coward yeah and that kind of goes that's you know that kind of is a thread that is running right through the rest of the film and it does a really good job of balancing the quite lofty ideas that we've been talking about before and this monster and how it relates to him and him as and and what he what he feels like he can't what he feels like he should do as a result of his previous actions and actually what he needs to do and what he needs to you know, he needs to, what he actually needs to do is minor spoilers here. He he's, he actually needs to show people that you don't need to die for your country yeah, in order yeah. to be an honourable person. It's actually a lot better to kind of think of yourself as part of a community, but not at, at, at one with it, because all that's going to do is he's going to make it a lot more likely for him to die for his country, which is a yeah. pointless endeavour. That's yeah. what I, I there's kind of victory took from in it. living, yeah, because in life you can reflect and change and make things, yeah, better. and you can bring a you know you can bring a, a yeah. family up, right? You can yeah, support exactly. a family. Yeah, yeah, you can support your community, and and it's something that because in the film the sort of the <laughs> it's sort of. You know the the Japanese military has obviously been sort of castrated by by the Americans, and the Americans refuse to get involved because they're concerned that military operations would inflate the growing tensions with the Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah, so, which, that's is, right, which yeah. is an interesting sort of thematic backdrop, which I thought is sort of scarcely dipped into, but in the context of the film, it doesn't really matter because that's not really the point. But yeah, yeah, you know, the idea is is that the Americans aren't they aren't going to help us; they're not mm. here to help us, which I think is a, a very viable sort of sort of side theme to have. Um, yeah, yeah. Given the sort of treatment of the Japanese, certainly after the during the occupation in the early stages, it wasn't particularly nice. No, God, no. Um, yeah. So you know, but I like the idea. It's this sort of like retired soldiers scarred by their experience, but almost healed by this sort of uh, notion of like banding together and defeating this sort of 
Godzilla, yeah. you know, yeah, like yeah. the heal. It's like a healing process. And again, it boils down to what we were saying or back to what we were saying earlier about Godzilla being this instigator for positive change. Yeah, know? yeah, of course. Almost yeah. Unshackling themselves from all of the horror and trauma that that was brought about by the Japanese imperial government and their sort of aggressive expansionism of, of you know the Japanese empire mm. and instead just focusing on themselves as a small group as a small collective and using that ingenuity and teamwork to to the betterment of Japan yeah. I guess it really highlights the importance of planning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know. always like that Godzilla film. Yeah, There's so yeah. much sort of exposition about, like, ridiculous <laughs> weapons they're like building or whatever. But, yeah, sorry, Karen. No, no, you're right. It's funny how um, how much, just how much planning went on in the execution of these. Uh, and and they're, they're not only planned for what, you know, how they were going to defeat the monster, which is obviously usually what happens in American films. is like a five-minute scene with loads of sort of, odd-looking computer interfaces. Yeah, um, yeah. And they're like, this is how, you know, based on our research, like... Uh, Hastings, hasty exposition, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but in this, it's like, if this fails, we've got this, and if this fails, we've got this. And it's quite a long time yeah, to get yeah. to arrive at the the strategy that they're going to employ, and by the time they have arrived, you're sort of with them. You know exactly how they're going to yeah, do it. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Right down to the whole, the whole thing about yeah. the mines and stuff. That was really cool. That was really unique about... Yeah. Um, how they employed the sea mines, which were originally meant, uh, you know, t- t- to destroy the the sort of Japanese army. It's now sort of turned on its head, and they're going to use it to try and yeah. destroy Godzilla. Obviously, doesn't ultimately doesn't end up working, but it doesn't matter because they've got like a plan B, C, D, and E. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's not like something that's ha- there to hastily move the narrative on. It's embedded. Yeah, because you with the characters as well, and you like that ragtag team. Yeah, it's all part of the characterization. Yes, like yeah. you, you're with all of the like his mates that he meets on the wooden boat and stuff, and like yeah, you, you really feel for them, uh, and that's that's sorely missing from a lot of films. Yeah, that made tonight, yeah, so yeah, it's really nice to see that. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really, I sort of liked the one of my sort of favorite sort of subplots with the lead character was him and that. Um, the surviving mechanic. Oh yeah, I really man. liked that. I mean, it was sort of you know, like the, the surviving mechanic obviously blames him a lot for as the, well as the sole reason for the death of all of his friends because yes. he refuses to or doesn't refuse. He sort of chickens out for the lack of a better term. Yeah, of yeah. shooting of, of shooting <laughs> bottles it, yeah. bottles it, loses <laughs> it. <laughs> no. yeah. uh, out of shooting a smaller Godzilla with the the cannons on his on his. Um, grounded plane, yeah, uh, and he gets him to come back t- to help um, fix this sort of prototype plane that he's going to use to try and sort of lure Godzilla back out into the ocean, so this plan can get in, you know, so this yeah. plan can work. <laughs> and uh, it's a really great thing because it sort of starts out as you know him saying, you know, you didn't first, you know, you didn't sacrifice sacrifice yourself for your country. It's almost like a relic of that yeah, sort of imperial yeah. ideology of sacrifice. You, you know, sacrifice beyond all else, honor, sacrifice. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's sort of quite a sort of like. Um, not the best cut but you know <laughs> there's that bit where he's sort of saying oh this is how you arm the bomb because he says to the lead character to sort of like atone for his cowardice yeah after losing yeah. his love interest he hasn't got anything else to lose yes so he he decides that he's going to kamikaze into godzilla's mouth <laughs> yeah and there's this bit where like the guy's running through everything yeah and he, that's yeah. how he gets him back on side isn't it is by yeah. saying look I'll, i will i will do it this time yeah yeah that's right yeah and so i guess 
the idea is, is by by the the notion alone, he's there. He's now forgiven, and now this guy's job is to actually prioritize his, yeah. his life. Yeah, which yeah. is quite a sweet idea. I agree with you. It's a weird cut. I think it wasn't really necessary. Like what I, I think, thought yeah. was going to happen was, I thought that because he tells him, "Oh, this is how you arm the bomb," and it's like a red <laughs> lever. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I was like, "Right, that's going to be the fucking ejector seat." Because I know there's a fucking there's I I know yeah that's what I thought guy. yeah yeah. yeah. And it turns out not to be the case. That's a real bomb arming device, and there's a separate ejector seat button that he then is revealed to you in the flashback that he tells him. About. Yeah, yeah. God, kind of interesting, but a bit weird and slightly unnecessary. But um. yeah, I think it's sort of quite sweet in the way that even this guy who represents those sort of old values is sort of realizing the worth of life. Yes. Uh, yeah. That was just, that was a nice moment mm. as well, actually. I just think it, I just think it's a, it's a nice idea, and again, it sort of boils down to the idea of only in collective trauma do you see the value of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like in a lot of the more modern discourse of conflict, there's always a real sort of disturbingly high willingness to go to war. Oh yeah, and, and to and do horrible things and to yeah. die. And I just think it's like you know, it's almost like not having that period of sustained trauma as part of your. Yeah, it's sort of your national makeup. Yeah, it, it's almost like not having that. I don't want to say it's you know it's it's a, it's a necessity to sort of having a more well-rounded view of things, but it seems to help. Yeah, it's difficult. It's a difficult thing to bring up in some circles circles because you give off the impression that you're like staunchly against all military action everywhere, and I don't know. I mean, I I'm not a huge fan, <laughs> um, but. I just kind of it's what I want the the main sort of issue with it is just like a needless loss of life civilian and the like soldiers themselves is just like that's why like the idea of being patriotic and like kind of running to your death mm. is just baffling to me I'm like why would you I don't understand how people's minds can be warped yeah, in that yeah. fashion and what this film demonstrates is there's an alternative is that it's okay to preserve like life I think that's really yeah, great yeah. and really unique in a film like this and there's sort of it lacks that kind of American <laughs> um, which is a, a huge country and by all means I'm not saying that all of America is pro-military but I certainly think it's sort of there's, there is a problem in America with regards to like how it you know you know that that sort of patriotic streak do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you get driving at. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's something that... I'm not very qualified to speak about <laughs> anything like this. Well, yeah, I, I assume that our, our sort of devoted listeners are more than aware of our lack of qualifications in almost all the subjects we discuss. <laughs> Unless it's about Blu-ray collecting. Oh, mate. Yeah, yeah we, we Then know. we're there. That's we're, one we're, of the few are... things I can be quite comfortable about talking about. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that is interesting. And I think the great one of the great strengths of this film is that is is the framing of an alternative viewpoint mm. and humanizing it i think you know in this sort of partisan political landscape that we live in you know if you voice an opinion like that you're often seen as someone that has no respect for any of that or the way the film offers that alternative in a way that is entirely human and almost it almost skirts around that yeah uh, political debate and even for me like i'm very much like you i'm i'm very much someone that's not overly keen on a lot of the sort of stuff you've talked about yeah, there too. Yeah. So like I'm sort of, you're sort of preaching, the film's sort of preaching to the choir really. But <laughs> This whole this room is one big echo chamber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
but you know the way it frames that approach in the trauma in the horror and in the subsequent collaboration yeah, um, yeah. and the reasons to live you know mm. the, the, as simple as they may be as finding love or raising a child that isn't yours or yeah yeah you know working together to make something better and more livable um I think that's always, to me anyway, the more preferable um, <laughs> outcome as opposed to sort of blindly charging into something that, you know. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think the film does that that, that, that brilliantly. No, yeah, definitely. I also really loved, moving away th- from the thematic element slightly, the, the callbacks to the original film with uh, the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, with the sound it does. It, it was really almost sort of like, it was so lovely, almost. I think we laughed, didn't we? We sort of laughed because it was like, God, that is, yeah. you know, like... It's really sweet. It's yeah, it was, and yeah. I think given the fact that Godzilla's seventieth anniversary and it's so deeply ingrained in, in the Japanese identity that it's almost like its mythology is almost history. <laughs> Do you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, 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 of course. This is speaking for someone on the outside. So, <laughs> any Japanese listeners, feel free to tell me I'm full of shit. But, <laughs> you know, I, I I don't know. It feels, and that felt quite special using the song because yeah, and that's nostalgia done right, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah fucking pay your dues thematically yeah and then you can use the nostalgic stuff it's totally alright to use a little sound bite but you've got to earn it first so you can't earn start it. out fucking A yeah, don't do yeah. like well, this is a bizarre thing but Flash did at the end with having like all the sort of CG ghosts of the DC projects of the past <sighs> Uh, the whole multiverse you know, thing, yeah. It's just a cheap way to. So cheap and shit. Like yeah. that. That's what sort of made me think. There, you know, like it's. It, I know we sort of we rag on nostalgia in film quite a lot, uh, you know. But we're still human. We still love our nostalgia when it's yeah. done properly. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, yeah. And for me, obviously, I wasn't around in 1954. But as someone that's grown up with these films and loved them, it, it was nice to see that used in a, appropriately. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it helps that the franchise hasn't effectively introduced magic, like like The Flash, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and like that, that, I think it's good that it's very, very... The only thing that is unusual and almost supernatural about it is the monster itself. It's like nothing else is really no. veering into the realms of impossibility. No, I mean, a lot of... The, some of the more sort of goofier and sillier Toho God... Godzilla, Godzilla films do have like a lot more there's like space travel and oh really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> one of my favourites aside from the original Godzilla is one called Destroy All Monsters which has like a like an assault on an alien moon base and <laughs> mind controlling aliens and fair play it's fucking wacky it's so wacky but it's brilliant <laughs> so brilliant but yeah no I, I think you're right I think it you know at, at its core it doesn't it it hasn't really changed the formula too much. The films are always largely the same. Yeah, and it doesn't derive its nostalgia from that as well, which is like what Disney is guilty of. It's just like you get any nostalgia from a piece of magic that you've woven into the screenplay that now enables you to bring back characters from 20, 30, 40 years <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like you're literally, and you're casting the same actors if you can, and if not, you're like kind of making 3D models of them, and it's all like ethically really grey. And But yeah. none of that exists when you just use a piece of music, which is no. really, you know, a really great way to stimulate someone's memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Because um, the themes yeah. stimulate the memory anyway, but in a way that is perhaps like, you know, it's it's like in the background of your mind. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> and that's that's fucking good nostalgia. That's the kind of nostalgia you want, mm. you know. Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah. No, I, I really, really, really liked it a lot. I know I'm biased because I love the franchise, <laughs> but there are, don't be wrong. There are some shit films in in, in the Godzilla universe. 
but yeah, you know, there's 38 of them, so it's obviously going to be some crap ones. But yeah, yeah, um, this one is a, it's a good one. It's a good one. I, I think it's right up there with the some of the best uh, of the genre. Yeah, uh, oh. and I, you know, I'm excited to see what they do with it next because I imagine this is something they're just going to keep plodding on with. Yeah, yeah. Without you know, and there is a slight tease at the end of a, a, a more things to come, but it doesn't feel forced really. It's like no, the nature of the beast literally in in it is is the kind of invincibility of of Godzilla. So yeah, it's not, yeah. and also there's such a great there's a resolution at the end of this which is very concrete and firm, which is yeah, nice. which I know you like a lot of. You like a concrete. I ending. like a good ending, like a severing of what I've watched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, to yeah. To the yeah. point where actually I would say that the, the teasing of a sequel was a, a minor gripe, but it is employed to much better effect than a lot of sort of post-credit sequences. Um, the only yeah. other, yeah, I, th- I think it's much better. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, like, you know they could make another Godzilla film, maybe, and it could share some of the sort of thematic or visual elements of its predecessor, but it doesn't necessarily have to be tied to the film. No, That's no, what Godzilla's no. always done. You know, it doesn't, you know, in the 13 film box set, you know, like, you can watch a film and think, oh, I'm sure that actor was in the other one, but they're playing a different character, you yeah, know. Yeah. And you might make allusions to an event that happened before, but it's all quite vague. And yeah, it doesn't really matter, yeah. So. It doesn't, yeah, it's kind of loosely woven into each other, but... Um. <laughs> Yeah, the only other, the only other slight gripe, this is a stupid gripe as well, because actually, I mean, for 15 million, uh, the equivalent of 15 million dollars this was made yeah. for, which is very cheap for yeah, uh, God's yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not sure what the Japanese film industry's like, maybe it's... Well, I definitely think it doesn't have the wallet behind it that Hollywood Yeah. Does. I mean, it's very prolific. Yeah, I mean, yeah. At one, I mean, at one time, before the Japanese film industry was the second most prolific on, on, on really behind Hollywood, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. I think that yeah. might have been before the Second World War, but, you know, so it's definitely okay. got a place, you know, as one of the dominant film industries. Obviously, it's taken a few knocks, but... Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, it's a huge... I mean, if you think about the sort of proliferation of Japanese culture more broadly... Yeah, and and, and also their horror Is that as the right well. word, proliferation? Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, horror, anime. But, I mean, um, yeah, they are... They're, they're, you know, in a sense, their culture is sort of... Via their own media is sort of everywhere, and um, mm. that's good, but... But the the projects that 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 kind of culture stems from are always quite low key, and this one included fifteen million. Which, yeah, I didn't realise it was that cheap. Yeah, really cheap. I mean, um, you could sort of see it. Were you sort of alluding to the special effects a little bit? I think actually, by and large, the visual effects were quite good. The only problem I had, and it's really hard to get this right, and I don't, I don't blame anyone. Not that anyone would be listening, but any, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't blame anyone who worked on this film for this. But the the water simulation wasn't great. Um, the way the water interacts with the boats and with the monsters was pretty naff. Uh, the actual CG was really good, I thought. Godzilla weird. looked great. Yeah, yeah, Godzilla looked really good. By I, and large, a lot of the destruction sort of worked. You I know. like the way his spines went up his back and like yeah. jutted out when he did his atomic breath. That, that was, was nice. Cool. That was cool, yeah. That, that's a hark back to original. Yeah, Godzilla. yeah. It sort of all but it shines, but the idea that it would like jut out. One by one. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really cool. That was great. Uh, he... Uh, I don't know if it's a he. The the monster. I is think he, he? Yeah. yeah. I assume so. It's um uh its eyes reminded me of that that of a viper. Yeah. Which I thought yeah. was quite a unique introduction. Because um, Viper's eyes are terrifying, like they're yeah. really uh, inhumane like looking and it takes a lot to kind of warm to 
that type of snake and to transplant that onto a monster I thought was really effective and making it genuinely quite horrifying to look yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shin Godzilla was the same. Like, it was yeah horrible to look at. Mm. It's just, it's quite grotesque looking. Yeah, yeah, in a way beast. that the sort of suits in the original Godzilla was kind of grotesque. Yeah, yeah. Because it's that sort of material, I don't know. But there's something, yeah, so lovable about it. I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, just, just a minor thing about the, the water. No, no, <laughs> worth mentioning, as uh, you've got your little, yeah, your little segment. Bit of, yeah, yeah, a bit of the, <laughs> bit of the water clipped the edge of the of a boat once. Shit I can't film. tell you. Yeah, shit film, shit film. Get, shit rid film. get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, crap, yeah. don't watch it. Bring me... Uh, Godzilla 1997, please. Oh, uh, you know, funnily enough, before we go to the outro, I, I, that is the one Western. Again, it's all fucking nostalgia, but I quite like that movie. Uh, I mean, I've not seen yeah. it for years. It could be I might watch it and go, Jesus Christ, that yeah. shit. But <laughs> Matthew Broderick makes a quip about fish in it halfway through. Again, you know, quips. A lot of quips. A quip. Yep. Uh, I mean, you know, as a visual spectacle, I remember Godzilla being pretty much like a T Rex in it. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, sort of, just like a dinosaur, and there's nothing. There's not much Godzilla. He's more like a big lizard. <laughs> yeah, and I remember. Um, uh, I really like the bit with all the helicopters going through the city. Oh I yeah, loving yeah, that as a kid. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of fish. I don't remember much else about it for some reason. Jean Reno doing an Elvis impression. Oh God. Oh yeah. 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 Fucking hell. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, I might see that on Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to. We should do a screening of that. That'd be so good, a live, a live yeah, commentary. Yeah. We we were talking about this actually. Save it for the outro. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Which we're going yeah. to do now. Now, questing the cinematic void. There we have it. Yeah, there, there we, we have it. Then. Godzilla minus one. Mm. Great film. One of my favourites of the year. Uh, and I implore anyone to go and watch it. Just drop all the fucking expectations about monster movies. Just go in. And, and, and treat it for what it should be treated like, which is a, a a very sort of sincere mediation on, you know, war and yeah horror and, and, and you know both on the collective and individual scale. Yeah, that stuff's all great, and and the way that Godzilla's weaved into that is really unique. And yeah. just I mean, it's doing really well actually. People are watching it. The, the cinema was busier than I thought yesterday. It was. Yeah, yeah. Um, which Raven Meads, which we, you know we love. Because we love our Raven Meads at Cinepoise to Cinema. Yeah. So, yeah. And no, I agree. Really well done. I mean, it, it does sort of border on histrio- histrionics a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right, yeah. You know, but I mean, <laughs> it's so sincere and earnest that that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I don't think so. Go go into it and enjoy it, please, because I think it's important. I think so as well. Nice. Yeah, definitely. I watched. Please. <laughs> want, yeah, want to see more films like that made, please. Yeah. yeah. So go and watch it. Get off your ass. Go now. Uh, <laughs> It's Christmas soon. It is Christmas, and yeah. that means it's also New Year soon it's as well. Exactly, New Year shortly following four or five day of just utter rudderlessness. Yeah, it's yeah, really odd. Just kind of permanently full, and yeah, permanently slightly hungover, and sort of tidying up a lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and 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 sort of waiting in anticipation for something which is always largely overrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got January, which no one likes. No, yeah, you've got that to look forward to. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, brutal. Yeah. But, uh, but however, mm. something on the horizon. Ooh. Something to ease the sort of uh, horror of, of, of another year. Yeah, yeah, of the coldest month of the year. <laughs> yeah. The month where you're always not very financially well off. No, not financially well off, yeah. Uh, we are going to do a 2023 retrospective episode right yeah yeah um 
so I think the idea with it is is to sort of like pick maybe like a few films, like three films each, maybe that we loved from last year. Yeah, maybe some honourable mentions as well. Talk about a few films we didn't like so much. Yeah, yeah, uh, and also talk about how our opinions have changed about certain films. Yeah, that'd be interesting actually. Which yeah. is because I think it's quite strange when you sort of put your opinion out there on a podcast, you know, or in any form that. I think there's a sort of assumption that that's definitive and that's it. But like everything, your opinion will change depending on conversations you have with others or other sources that you sort of read. And it's particularly been the case with a couple of films for me this for this year, which I'd really like to sort of uh, yeah. revisit with that frame of mind. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Which I think would be really interesting. I think so. Yeah, I think <laughs> I would, I would to... say that. But, <laughs> but, uh... I have to listen back to the podcast that we mentioned it on first. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of re- yeah, see how our attitudes have changed. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideal. And it's you know yeah, it's um, strange to think that we sort of resurrected this a year ago. Yeah, a lot's changed. We're talking about that, weren't we? I think we mentioned this a few times before, like prematurely in a couple of episodes, like in <laughs> October. But yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's really strange. It's odd that this has kind of been woven through this quite eventful year. Um, yeah, for, for us, it's been good. Um, yeah, it's been interesting. It's been a delight so far. It has. Yeah. Long may it continue. Thanks for listening. Unless one of us dies. <laughs> I'll still carry on just on yeah, my yeah, own. Yeah, just yeah. on your own. Yeah, I don't know why I'm assuming it's yeah, me that's still you're alive. The one that's yeah, still yeah. Alive. yeah, yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, you never know. Right, you, you, you could get. You, you'd have to replace me with someone. Oh, who who would I replace you with? Uh, I'm not gonna. I don't, I don't know. I'm cut that out. <laughs> that's too. That's too dark. Yeah, I, I have absolutely no idea either. So there we go. <laughs> um, Alfie, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him back. <laughs> so that's what we're gonna be doing next year. Yeah. In the meantime, have a lovely Christmas. Yes. Happy Christmas. Uh, have a lovely New Year. Mm. Not a particularly festive episode, actually, thinking about it. No, no, but, not at all, no. But, uh, um, horrors of war. Horrors of war. Yeah, Happy yeah. Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, enjoy all that, and we'll see you bright and breezy in the new year for a retrospective. And a lot of discussions, but a lot of upcoming great films. There's yes. lots of good stuff coming. There so. is a lot, yeah. It's Oscar season, so yeah. exciting times lie ahead. Indeed. Mm. Bye. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>